cloud. All right, here we are. Kai, thank you so much for being here this morning. I really appreciate it. Why don't you give everybody kind of a, a brief introduction of who you are and, and what you do? All right, thanks, Dash. My name is Kai Luars. I'm with Kiker Development and Construction. We do high volume, residential, light commercial, uh, urban development and construction management services. So we really work with uh, a lot of entities, bringing their ideas to fruition on the pre-con development work, as well as the execution of the work. But yeah, located in Cincinnati, Ohio, off Central Parkway. Hi, you're underselling yourself. Did you <laughs> inherit the company? Do you work for the company? Who are you <laughs> I, as it relates yeah. to Kaiker? No, uh, yeah. Uh, so I'm principal and founder. Uh, I started Kiker Development in 2015. Uh, really just wanted to get into development to make some generational wealth and have some residual income in the background. And my degrees in construction management from Oregon State University is those business management. Just really wanted to take that and run with it in, in the development and construction management space. Team-wise, I started the company in 2015 really started building a team about two and a half years ago. And now we have a team of 14 employees that facilitate construction from the trades, carpenters, foremen, superintendents, to the professional services of, from an admin to project engineer, project manager, and, and so forth. So you're based here in Cincinnati. Did you grow up here? No. So yeah, I was born in New York, raised in Portland, Oregon with my mother. My mom's a teacher. And she really, she really stayed on me, pushing education and diversifying the different opportunities I was exposed to. I went to a polytechnic high school where I got to major in architectural drafting, Benson Polytechnic. So yeah, yep, yep, yep. Shout out to Benson Techman. <laughs> so from there, Oregon State being like an engineering school, like really sought after graduates from my school because we already showed interest in architecture or construction or engineering and so on and so forth. So I ended up going to Oregon State and just always interned with different construction companies, did some building defect work, some prime contracting. And yeah, I started investing as a hobby. I saw people doing it on TV and I was like, how are they doing that? And they, they're not even professionally trained or have professional experience. And right. really just wanted to take that and, and run with it. And Cincinnati was a great opportunity. My, my dad is my connection to Cincinnati. He was living okay. out here. He was doing accounting work and he invested in multifamily real estate on the back burner. Properties that are already stabilized and occupied and showed me that I could spread my eggs into multiple baskets out here from a budget standpoint, not having that much funding resources. And, and that's what I did. So about four properties before I moved out here and I was coming out once a month and coming out to Cincinnati once a month, it was really just intriguing to see the development space and where it was compared to what I saw in Portland. And I ended up deciding to just move out here, uh, my son and I. So my son and I moved out here. We were house rich, but liquidity poor living with my dad, just trying to get Kiker off the ground. So I did that for some time, turned over some properties, started having some resistance as far as moving up to the space from a service-based standpoint. And um, 
started working with another entity. Um, They're like a boutique development shop. Worked with them for about four and a half years. Those are the guys at Terex. Uh, great guys, great company. Really just uh, a great shop that's just going no, nothing but up, but more in the commercial industrial space. And took that and then had some conversations, had some volunteering opportunities, had some life lessons, and really just decided, hey, now's the time. And it was tough in the beginning, but I was really just dedicated. I was living, breathing, everything, Kiker, to, to make it happen. And uh, fortunately for the team that I've been able to to build and the processes and procedures we've been able to instill in our company core values. It's just one of those things that's just taken off. <clears throat> Excuse me, it's just taken off. And I've been just blessed with the team that I've had. And yeah, the opportunities, the intentionality, conversations, no different than how you and I started off. Yeah. 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 Honestly, I'm so impressed with what you've come here and built from scratch with similar to myself, no contacts, no connections. And mm-hmm. how do you think that you've been able to build such, how many people do you have working for you now? Right now, 14. Yeah. You've so, got a sizable team. Yeah. yeah. What do you attribute your success in building that team from just you a few years ago to now you've got 14 and growing? I would say finding like-minded individuals who really take ownership of what they do, want to add value in the opportunities that they involve themselves in. From the top to the bottom, it's as simple as do what you say you're going to do. Nope, nobody's perfect, but at the same time, we all have value to add in whatever our specialties are in life. And that's what like diversifies the world and people themselves. So just, I don't care if you're a laborer or a project manager, you're still a professional in this space and I'm going to hold you accountable to your craft and we're going to build each other up and we're going to collaborate and you're going to have some expertise and I'm going to have some expertise, but together we're going to be stronger. And that's really what it's been. And I would say too, I'm not too far removed from being an employee, a younger generation early in my career. It's one of those things where I know like how people want to be treated and I know respect. I've always led with respect and expected respect. And that's what the team sees. We have a very diverse team from the women on our team to the minorities on our team, to the different people's background, whether it's veterans, so on and so forth. The diversity is honestly what it's a melting pot just brings us together and the synergy we have in the development and CM spaces. Astronomical. Yeah, that's interesting. Given that you are a young man, but you are leading a firm, what are some of the the challenges or maybe lessons that you've learned as being a leader that you mm-hmm. think would be helpful for others to know? I would say establishing clear like policies and procedures is key because you want to be personable. It's natural. We're people first, but having that clear line of what's to be expected, how to handle things from a, just a company infrastructure standpoint has been key because I'm a very kind spoken person, but in some situations I could be speaking to something very serious right now. And just because I'm not yelling, screaming, or calling somebody names doesn't mean that it's not serious. Having those, that understanding with your team and those policies and procedures in, in, in place. So 
it's naturally communicated and respected throughout conversations and tasks is key. But yeah, you live and you learn as well. Some of it, I'll tell you the truth, we just go through it and we figure it out. And the fundamentals of just leading with respect and being high level communicators helps. Yeah. Uh, have you found challenges with, because I was looking at your roster of folks yesterday. Mm-hmm. I mentioned before the call, I sent you a lead, actually a couple of them. Mm-hmm. And I was just checking out, trying to establish as much credibility. It looks like you have folks that are up and down the, the age range. Have you run into, or do you have apprehension about being somebody's boss that's older than you? Is that a weird thing for you or no? Honestly, no. Since I was very young, I always ended up in environments working with people older than me. So for me, it's natural. I'm going to treat you with respect, but your age doesn't change or dictate the relationship from a standpoint of we're here to build. We're here to develop. This is a team, right? So I might be leading the team, um, but that doesn't mean that you don't have areas which you lead in as well and have some expertise. And I'm one to respect that. So I would say from being in sports, being involved in music and being an elite athlete and musician, working with older people, then from being a, a laborer, a tradesman as an intern in college, working with older men that were trades and just respecting their craft and understanding the value and how to have those conversations. And that for me personally transformed from intern labor to their boss as project manager, assistant, as service manager, as facilities manager, as project manager. For me, the ages is something that I simply respect. There's wisdom there, but everybody plays a, plays a role. And to be quite frank with you, a lot of the guys with wisdom that are older than me, they respect my position in a sense is they know it comes with a lot and some of them have been there and they're just so happy to be at that stage of their career with like, Hey Kai, have fun. You deal with that part, but <laughs> <laughs> no worries. We got this project handled. So you don't have to worry about the building, but have fun with all the back end that comes you with take the heat. We're just, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's just one of those things where to whom much is given much is expected. Sure. And People with wisdom understand that. And if you can have a company with great company culture, with great compensation, great benefits, and not have to take it home with you every day, there's a value to that. Yeah. You can just plug in and then at the end of the day, they're able to unplug. Whereas you've got, I'm sure you've got nights where you're waking up at two or three in the morning. Oh, did I do that? Oh, I have to do this. Yeah. And there's, and so with that, I was able to cater to those needs. And for example, some of those, if you're in this space, you're going to want to engage in some sort of investment. So with those people within the company, and honestly, pretty much all of our management has that opportunity to invest in project specific opportunities. So that's real engaging for them as well. So they still get an aspect of that investment, that entrepreneurship without all the risks that we take on facilitating a business 24 seven. You know? Am I hearing you correct by, are you saying that some of the deals that you do as investment deals, you will, you grant them equity in? Yes, yes, yes. So that's something that I was very intentional about because once again, being of my age, understand the industry, 
you can see it from a mile away. <laughs> I don't want to speak to any situation specifically, but I've seen it happen. And it's something that I've felt. So if you can work with a company that you can also take some of your additional resources or direct some of your bonus structure to a deal and benefit and look at that building and say, hey, I'm a part of that ownership group and correct, collect a residual income from it. That's key. Yeah, that's awesome. That's great. I didn't know you did that. That's, that's awesome. I'm yeah. sure that's a kicker too for them to show up and do their best work every day because, oh, I actually own part of this. I'm trying to make this happen. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. yeah. So on that, what creative or unconventional approaches have you found for financing some of your deals? I would say really getting with, once again, like-minded people who we play in the community development space, right? So yeah. we want people who really understand and believe in those communities and are in that space to navigate the resources and financial vehicles to facilitate that. And coincidentally enough, Cincinnati is a prime space for that due to the need for housing right now. Yeah. Um, so working with CDFIs like CDF, the Cincinnati Development Fund, and other intentional institutions with a need for urban investment, particularly right now, we're seeing a lot of affordable housing deals, whether that's far left on the LIHTC side to simply affordable housing at a 60% AMI or so to a workforce housing. There's even at the market rate space, there's energy efficient or historic tax credit financing. Just being able to navigate those resources. It's one of those things that the Cincinnati space has. So grants, tax credits, and so on and so forth. Yeah. I'm doing a deal with CDF right now over in Camp Washington that you helped me out a little bit mm -hmm. with. I, I don't know your whole development resume. What, what deals have you been able to do using grants or working with CDF? I know you built the, those townhomes over there on Hale. Yeah. Hale. Yeah. 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 So Hale was in partnership with Avondale Development Corporation, where they were actually the developer of that project, facilitated construction management services for it. We were involved in the development, but ironically enough, that's when I was volunteering my time. Oh, okay. Uh, just, you got a lot just, of good press for it. So that, yeah, yeah. So it worked out really nice because honestly, my, my initial intentions were true in a sense of, I just found out about a community that was looking to create affordable housing for new homeowners. And I was like, oh, this is where I can volunteer now. And it's like that transition in your career where you're going from picking up trash to soup kitchens to now, hey, I'm a professional. I can volunteer in a professional capacity. So that was, that was wonderful. That was a great like transition stage in my career. And I did that for maybe two years. And so, yeah, Hale, that had some grant funding, more of a forgivable loan product from the city, NOFA funds. It also had some other grant funds with city partners that ADC and the community of Avondale is familiar with. A more, a more recent project where Kiker is actually the lead developer on because when I started Kiker, you can, as you can imagine, I was investing in real estate and it came a point in time where I had a transition investing in real estate to invest in uh, building a business and my workforce. 
And that now over time has transitioned us with the ability to now go back and invest in the real estate market. Right now, one of our most recent ones is 700 state, and we're looking to do 12 unit renovation there. And that's an existing building. Yep. Existing building. It's adjacent to another multifamily building that we currently own and it's fully occupied. It would actually give us great site control in that community that we're already familiar with. We have great relations with Community Matters and Price Hill Will, and they're in support of the development. So currently we have some financing committed through CDF, and we also were awarded a grant, a grant of $720,000 through Hamilton County ARPA funds. And unfortunately, due to today's market, even when you have your ability to construct the price point of things, you have what's called gaps in your funding. And that's where, fortunately, we're in a prime space, as we were talking about earlier, being Cincinnati, where people are aware of that. Uh, The city, the county, they've done uh, the port, uh, they've done all of these studies to address these needs and understand where that capacity is and what's needed. So it's outside of like opinion per se, they have the data and multiple resources to back it up. So all those entities have now come together and collaborated in that funding space to see, okay, how can we resolve this? So they've, the CDFI serve as like a hub for this financing, a trusted hub, more of like a nonprofit banking, I believe. And they- Yeah, they're a community-based know, lender. Exactly, exactly. So, community-based lender. Yep. Yep. And so they don't have some of the same regulations as the more name branded banks. So now they're a hub for uh, all these funding resources that the city and the county and the feds have put together. And uh, based on responding to RFPs that they put out, you can get grants for some of the developments that you may have in mind. But sometimes it's real unfortunate because the gap on that project was around a million dollars, a little over. So you get 720,000, like for us, it was like, yay, we did it. Cause it was a tough process to get there, but you still got a gap. <laughs> so we still have that, what, 300,000 gap or a million? Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's closer to, it's closer to 500,000, I think. Okay. Um, yeah, exactly. But that's with us being the general contractor. So we're not even trying to make a million dollars as a general contractor. We're just trying to get the job done, but that's. Yeah how dilapidated these buildings are to the point where you're almost rebuilding it because you're basically stripping it down to the infrastructure. Yeah. You're stripping it down to the bones and then rebuilding it up from there. Yep. And fixing the bones. (laughs) Right. Yeah. 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 I'm doing that over on, over in camp Washington. That's yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. Did you look at an analysis on those of whether or not it would be better to just tear it down and build new? Um, honestly, I have not. Ironically, now that I'm getting into a lot of modular conversations, (laughs) I would say it's worth considering. But up until now, what we try to do, because we're a business and our basis is community development and working with different communities to understand their housing needs, a lot of the times, the very first thing we consider is what's called a maximum best use study. So we simply take what's existing, what's the path of least resistance, and based on the end use being rent or for sale, how much density do we need or can we have? And then you can just, you understand the max, 
hence maximum best use, right? And then you yeah. can always go less and less depending on the need. So with that one, my whole point is uh, we just did a maximum best use study for the existing building. It was very simple to go back with the, ex this, the layout that it once was. And it's weird because this building has been vacant for decades, but literally just putting it back to the units that what it once was as far as the overall unit footprint, the interior build out will be more modern and like accommodating in, in regards to like closet space and laundry dryer, things of that stuff. But for us, it was just put it back. But I think that's a good conversation. Retrace what's there and, and add on to it. Yep. Yep. But I think that's a good conversation to see what that Delta is between renovating and just a tear down a new build. So I appreciate that. <laughs> it's a curious thing because some of these buildings, it's almost, are they beyond repair? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The, the housing stock, probably in most Midwestern communities, probably most communities throughout the country, really, if it's an older city like Cincinnati, mm -hmm. you've probably got a lot of old buildings that are vacant that, okay, what do we do with this? Yeah. You know? Yeah. That one, actually, I'm thinking the only thing that may cause an issue, and this is another thing in development that I see a lot of people run into, is it is in a historical area. I don't think I'll be able to demolish this one because it's right on um, in Lower Price Hill, right on State Ave. Yeah, I see it here. Yeah. Are, you mentioned some of the community development agencies, and you're obviously active in community development. Are you on the boards of any of these local community development agencies? So I'm not on any community agency board specifically in regards to the specific communities that we serve, such as the Weston, Price Hill, College Hill, Avondale, Evanston, things of that sort. And I think I'd entertain that opportunity on a case-by-case -case basis. But uh, ironically enough, I, I just, I've just been appointed on the board of the Cincinnati Chamber, Business Chamber of Commerce. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. yeah. So for me, that's like the ideal community board because it represents Cincinnati. Right. And shout out to Brendan. Shout uh, out to Brendan. Yeah. Cause I, uh, I met him before he was in his current role there at the chamber and just a real authentic guy and watched him grow. He saw me grow. We see each other now out and about sometimes at lunch at uh, QCC. And it's just one of those guys that uh, was very intentional and he knew of the representation that was needed on that board. And he reached out and uh, it was like the perfect timing in my career. Once again, where I was already thinking about those type of opportunities. But like I said, I was somewhat worried because I didn't want to more or less be looked at in a sense of choosing a singular community to serve on a board. So the Cincinnati Business Chamber allows me to really represent all communities because I truly care about all communities yeah. and still have those authentic relationships and be able to represent and bring those things to the table so that everybody's represented. Well, that's awesome, man. Congratulations. Yeah. Oh, thanks. So what's your, what does that mean being on the board for them? Or is it just, it's, Sounds like you want to make it more than just a token position, yeah. just a resume builder. What are your plans or intentions for that? I really, I, I've been intentional. I've been, we've only had one meeting uh, this year so far, but we have another meeting. It's January 10th and it was actually right before the new year. So we have an upcoming meeting 
And <clears throat> at the most recent meeting, I was fortunate enough to talk to other board members, some that had been there for years and years, even decades, and like others that are just on and off and transitioning. So it was one of those things where really trying to tap into their knowledge and understand the biggest impact that they've had and that the board's had on them. Uh, so for me, I really want to communicate and half half the time, it's a matter of being in the room, right? And being in the room in the right space to be able to communicate these things. Because sometimes if you just don't know, you don't know. So yeah. my, my thing is to, to bridge that gap in communication between community, communities and uh, some of the events that are held and uh, discussions that are had with uh, various entities and or city council members and things of that sort while we're anytime community or development and or construction is a conversation, right? And then also just to learn, right? I think there's a huge takeaway of being around uh, a lot of elite individuals and and the, the Cincinnati Chamber caters to so many different spaces, right? It's not just, Cincinnati is not just construction and development. I think that's a huge part of our day-to-day, but there's so much more to it. So just- Yeah, Cincinnati is a pretty diverse economy. It's not filled with unicorn companies, but it's a lot of slow and steady wins the race sort of thing. Oh yeah. Big consumer goods, obviously with P&G and we also have logistics is a big thing here. (laughs) If you look at the roof lines across, not the roof lines, but if you look at an overhead of Northern Kentucky, you know, Mm -hmm. surrounding CVG, it's just covered with industrial industrial boxes. Yeah. Yeah. And then we have also a big financial services sector here. I have these conversations a lot with people that aren't familiar with the city and it's okay. Why invest in Cincinnati? So we have all these things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, No, I I think the overall economics of Cincinnati as a whole, um, speaking to all the industries that you just brought up is growing dramatically. Me coming from Portland, Portland yeah. was growing. What I often say is Cincinnati's seven to 10 years behind where Portland was in the most respectful way, but it's a beautiful thing in a sense of, hey, we're experiencing that growth and it's going to keep on coming. And I'm seeing it. There's it's so many times I'm like having deja vu per se. And I'm feeling like, am I in Portland or Cincinnati? Unfortunately, Portland has taken a turn for what some may say is the worst, but before, before all of that, but yeah. Yeah. That's, that, that's probably another conversation. In another yeah. yeah. I'm curious. I'm a broker. Let's talk about me a little bit selfishly. What do you see as the role of, of brokers? And in your opinion, what's the value of a broker? Oh, the value of broker is huge. They're the connection there of pulling it together in a sense of, the opportunities to be had in, in, in real estate. So really facilitating the deal. Somebody has to manage that. I'm not one who thinks, oh, let me do it all and minimize others' roles. There's details that need to be discussed and had that a broker really adds value to the table in facilitating, like I said, from identifying the parcels, facilitating the transaction, connecting the dots, even for all the different parties, because from the investment side, they're going to need the synergy of the construction manager and or developer. And, and I know you see it based on whomever you're working with and whether it's an individual or a firm's like specialties, 
they you have to connect the dots to to facilitate the deal holistically to to make it happen for everyone even though you're only some people may perceive you're mainly involved in the transactional part but you don't get to that without everything else sure yeah that's how you and i came together is you said hey i've got these properties over here i'd like to evaluate them for a redevelopment and we looked and said it's maybe not the right time and Mm -hmm. that we had the I look at brokers, good brokers, as brokers of information who get yeah. paid when the transaction happens. Mm-hmm. But it's, that's really what we're selling is our knowledge and our access to the data and to being able to meaningfully analyze it. What are some of the biggest lessons you've learned in getting to where you're at so far? Is Dash? Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah, can you repeat that? My signal went out for a second there. That's all right. I was just curious. I, we've talked about some of the, the lessons that you've had so far about managing people and building a business, business and investing in real estate. But what do you think some of the biggest lessons that you've learned so far have been? One of the biggest learn, lessons I've learned, I would say, is patience. <laughs> patience yeah. is key. I think especially if you're playing in the development space, patience is key. Unfortunately, but fortunately, patience doesn't mean lackadaisical or just it'll happen when the world brings it together. It's it's not that. You, you have to push the ball. You have to direct the ball. You have to keep it rolling. But be patient in a sense of it's not going to happen overnight. You, I was... Especially the, in development. It's no yeah. Oh, no, there's a process. And you, sometimes you have to just submit to the process and realize that there's a process. And the more you yeah. submit to it, understand it, respect it, you know how to navigate through it. Patience has been key. And I would say that's probably the biggest lesson for me. A lot of the, a lot of the other things that came with business, I'm very fortunate, came with very naturally just due to my life. I, I don't know. I just naturally my life experience made me resilient to a lot of the things and uh, obstacles that I faced along the way. But the biggest thing for me was really patience. Yeah. I think you and I both subscribe to the philosophy of the harder you work, the luckier you get. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I found that to be true. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, awesome. Yeah. I appreciate your time. What's the best way for people to be able to get in touch with you, Kai? Oh, <laughs> thanks. I'd say the best way is calling our office or shoot me an email. Our office phone is 513-275-5500. Our website, kikerdevelopment.com. Take a look and really understand what we bring to the table, the value add of our development and CM services and, and the talent and team that we have to facilitate them. That Our office is at 2145 Central Parkway. So if you're ever in the neighborhood, feel free to swing on by, give us appointment preferred, <laughs> but if you're in the neighborhood, we'd love to talk and, and see what we can do. Walk-ins welcome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> awesome, man. Kai, thank you again so much for your time and I hope you have a great rest of your day. I will. Thanks, Dash. I was, I'm growing into this and I was real nervous and uh, I would say yeah, you made it real comfortable and I appreciate the opportunity and the intentionality just to, to give me a voice on your podcast and I appreciate all that you do and I just look forward to us continuing our relationship. And honestly, I think this year of 2024, we're going to really be able to execute on some great things. So I look I forward to so. The motto of this is going to be, or is interesting conversations with interesting people. And I 
like I was doing my initial brainstorm of, okay, who do I want to talk to? And immediately you came to mind. So again, I, I appreciate you, you being here. Yeah, no, thank you. Thank you. All right. All right. Have a good one. You too.